You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour. If this is your first time joining us, we are very happy to have you. We're doing this Monday through Thursday at 5.30, not because things are normal, but precisely because they are not. We're trying to be a distraction. We're trying to help you through some of the monotony while also being uh, socially conscious and socially distant. Hey, technology is a wonderful thing. So thank you for being with us, and uh, we hope to entertain you for the next little bit. Fun show for you here today, Fernando Tatis Jr., is a guy that I had a conversation with earlier this afternoon. We will bring you video of that conversation coming up in a little bit. Also, our good buddy Stephen Woods from the Ben and Woods Show. Mornings on 97 through the fan. He's going to join us in a little bit. And my co-host today is the one, the only, the 1976 National League Cy Young Award winner. Your favorite left-hander and mine, number 35. <laughs> hey, RJ, what's up, man? Hey, Jesse. How are you doing, buddy? I am uh, doing better now that I am uh, seeing your face and hearing your voice, man. You're a, you're a sight for sore eyes like everybody else in Padre Land right now. Well, of course. You know, we're keeping a low profile here at the ranch, and I think I've re- uh, trimmed everything and redecorated half the, half the yard, and and I, I hope I don't, need, I don't need another month of this. I'll tell you that. No, I don't think anybody wants another month of it, but we'll... We'll see how long this ends up being a, a thing, and uh, I'll try to stay as healthy as we possibly can. All right. Um, I, I, I want to jump into baseball with you. Let's pretend like things are normal for a couple of minutes. Uh, by the way, I should I should tease a, another thing we have coming up. Remember the other day, a bunch of the, the movie stars, they made like a little music video on social media? Well, some of the local San Diego celebrities did a very similar thing, and uh, we've got that for you coming up later in the oh, show. Boy. Yeah, I know. Uh, that was just for you. So, RJ, I, I mean, I every time I, I think I look down at the field on spring training uh, games the last couple of weeks in Peoria, I saw you sitting within, I don't know, like six inches of manager Jace Tingler down on the bench. I mean, you were there. You're working with the pitchers, but I saw you during the games really in the dugout. You must have had a phenomenal sense of what was going on. So give us uh, your, your best description of, of what things were like down in the dugout during the spring games. Well, I absolutely love this scenario. You know, day in and day out, the way that Tingler was handling his players, 
the way he prepared him beforehand. I, I mean, I, I love the little scrimmages that he did before, let, letting a couple of guys, you know, maybe throw a few outs. And some of the everyday players got to live hitting and not, not just batting practice. So, I mean, I thought it was very, very effective. But, you know, he, he had a goal. He had objectives. His coaches were doing, you know, doing a great job, in my opinion. Uh, and I think overall, I was I was really excited about the whole thing, and and this is over the middle of the lineup, not really hitting yet. So and and I just thought they looked really really good, and and I knew the middle of the lineup you know, when the bell rings is a different game, and, and and they understand that. Yeah, that's that wasn't anything I think I was worried about. Certainly not, you know, March tenth or whatever the last game ended up being. Uh, we'll get to some of the young pitchers that you've worked with, particularly the uh, the fellow left-hander from North Carolina, uh, Mackenzie Gore. I want to talk about all of that, but you you brought up the coaches, and that was, I think, an observation that like everybody was making uh, when they were you know at camp this year when you were watching a workout. Bobby Dickerson is a name that certainly comes to mind. He and Wayne Kirby could be heard from like all corners of Peoria. I think the way they were they were working on guys. I know you, and I know you love that. I did. I, I absolutely loved it. Both those guys, the positive energy, but they got their work done and they made sure the players got their work done. And the one thing I'm sensing about all these coaches and believe me, Jesse, that, hey, that, that clubhouse where all the coaches were, it was full. It was full. I mean, I was sharing a, a locker with Andy Ashby. That's how many coaches were in there. And that's not a negative. I think it's a positive. And I, and I think overall, it, it's, it's holding some of these players accountable. And they're going to do that this year. And that's what these kids need. They need to be held accountable. When they make mistakes, they, they, you know, they got to be scolded. You're old school. You're tough. I am. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to change. I mean, and why don't you do these kids a favor? I, I know, Jesse, maybe you can't remember when you were 22, 23 years old, you know, in playing baseball. But I can, and I remember I, I get my butt chewed, and I usually deserved it. And I think that made me a better player as I went along. And so I, they have to understand that, you know, they, hey, pressure's on, man. you got to perform. I was never good enough to get my butt chewed out like that. But you, looked, you looked real good in that in that brown hat with that gold SD. I mean, for you especially, man, you you won awards. You pitched in All Star games wearing those colors. How excited are you about the brown? Well, I, this is old school for me, man. I love it. I absolutely love wearing the brown, and I you know I wore it all day today, and, and of course. You know, there's somebody out there in a lot of San Diego blue. That's all I can tell you, Jess. I donated it. Well, oh, oh it's just gone. It's gone. Just gone. Yes. I'm there brown. Okay, okay. So it's all gone. All right, I mentioned Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I know you've gotten the opportunity to get to know him a lot the last couple of years. What have you seen from him as time has gone on? Uh, that I, He's ready. He's ready to pitch at this level. He's ready to pitch in the big leagues. I, I mean, I really think that this young man understands his mechanics and his fundamentals are just rock solid. And he, he just, he, he's considered, he duplicates well. He knows how to make adjustments. And mentally, mentally he he's not bothered. 
Well, I think I'm mad he gave up the grand slam, but also he got to that situation a little inconsistent. And that's how you learn. There's that a little bit of that failure will make you better. And and I'll tell yeah, you no, what, I, he came out of he came out of that start. He wasn't hanging his head. He understood what he did. He made a mistake. He hung a curveball and the guy headed out. And then but overall I was I was pretty I was impressed with the way he pitched. From a stuff standpoint, what can you tell us about what you've been looking at? I mean, the, the crazy thing is everybody I seem to ask about Mackenzie Gore, they say, hey, it's a great fastball, mid-90s, he puts it where he wants it. And I say, well, what's the best secondary pitch? And a lot of people seem to answer all of them. Like, there's no great difference in terms of the quality of the, the curveball, the changeup, and the slider. But for a lefty like that, that's a pretty curveball, man. That's like, that's an old school, big bending, uh, nice looking pitch. It really is. Yeah, you like that 12 to 6, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty. And he, and he does have a good one, but I, I think the slider and the way he moves the fastball around, and all of a sudden he throws that 84 mile an hour changeup. And, and like you say, he knows how to set up hitters. You know, number one, like like I said, the last time out, I thought he got squeezed a little bit in the strike zone. And, you know, that could have made a big, big change. But I think overall, this young man's, he, he's going to have a great career if he can keep him healthy. So what you're saying is you'd like to see an automated strike zone implemented full-time in Major League Baseball now. That's fine. I mean, whatever you're going to do. I mean, you know, I just, I still like to yell at an umpire, but you said it. I'm old school. I'm just trying to stir you up. I'm just trying to stir you up. What about a pitch clock, Randy? You didn't need that when you pitched, that's for sure. Pitch clock? Yeah, you know, it's, that has nothing to do with it. You know, I need I need some quality pitches. That's, you know, a good starter, if you need good, if you have two pitches, a little bit of movement, you know, you, you can pitch in this in this game, but you got to have command. And this, that's what Paddock has. And I, and I think right now that if, if you look at some of our starters, they have that. I think Richards was getting there. Yeah. And I'm very impressed. Lucchese Luc- had some work. But Chris Paddock is, is, is the name of that. And he threw he threw about two or three sliders at this his last bullpen before we had to break him that I was so impressed with. He changed his grip, and I mean to tell you, they, they, they were beautiful. And I, I told him when he got done, it's next 0-2 count. If he didn't throw that slider, well, I can't repeat what I said, but I, I told him he should throw it. How about yeah. that? <laughs> I believe that. I believe that you said that. <laughs> and I believe you said it in a way that you don't want to repeat it verbatim right now. Yes. Uh, l- let me ask you a, a fun one, and we'll get into some of the baseball news of the day. Another big injury out in baseball with Noah Syndergaard at the Mets. Uh, but uh, Orsillo has been yapping about this fantasy camp thing going back like a calendar year now. And I know, I know you wanted no part of Orsillo's fantasy camp uh, because you wanted uh, your athletes to go out there and, and uh, look athletic. And, and he brought down the, the group athleticism, I, I think, as a whole. And first of all, he really wears that uniform beautifully, doesn't he? He really did. I mean, I was, I was actually impressed when I saw him in the uniform. I was shocked, too. <laughs> but uh, I think overall at second base is uh, I, I tell you what it it wasn't pretty. That's all I can tell you. He had uh, I think one swing, and I saw a video of it. I oh. didn't know video existed until I saw it a couple oh. of weeks ago. It, it, it's what do you here? I'm not gonna. I, you're you're the you're the ball player. I'm I'm, I'm so sorry you saw that. Uh, is this gonna be it? Are we gonna get there? there it is. Oh, oh he's a little out in front, I think. A little out yeah, front. run that out, Donnie. Really hustling too. What I liked about that is when he told me about that, 
He's like, yeah, I kind of popped up to shallow right. I said, oh, did the right fielder catch it? He said, no, the second baseman. I said, well, he had grass under his feet, right? He goes, no, nah, he was on the infield dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the outfield grass. Either. It might have been the infield grass. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Definitely closer to that. And then he had <laughs> you know, absolutely, absolutely had a great time at fantasy camp, and it was great to have him there that day. I just, I just couldn't believe it. It was great. What a surprise. Yeah, that's awesome. And Grant's team won. Who knew Mark Grant was a championship manager? Well, yeah, it wasn't his fault. He just stayed out of the way. So he had a pretty good team. That's an important thing to do. Just get out of the way. When you get the was, uh, was Woods on his team? Uh, I don't know, but we'll ask Woods. He's coming up in a minute. Oh, yeah. We right, should we'll, ask. we'll ask Woods about that. We'll get him uh, – We'll, we'll get him in there. I saw somebody ask, by the way, about the, the and I'm sure not the only one wondering, the pumpkin basket over my shoulder. Yes, that is a, a Halloween pumpkin basket over my shoulder. I'm in my wife's office today. Had some technical difficulties in the other room uh, on yesterday's show. So I'm using my wife's computer today. And uh, oh. kids, you know, he's a Halloween basket. We it's still use that a pumpkin. Months later, still bribing it's, him. Uh, Halloween candy it's not Jesse's pumpkin, folks. It's his wife's. It's my kids, technically. They're all under the bus. Yes. Yeah. All right. We got Woods coming up in a couple of minutes. We got Tatis uh, a little bit after that. But I mentioned big injury news today. Padres had their own injury news last week. Andres Munoz, Reggie Lawson under the knife for Tommy John surgery. And now reported today that Noah Syndergaard, Thor of the Mets, uh, would also require Tommy John surgery. Um, look, this is one of those guys who's, you know, kind of bigger than just like himself or his team. If you're flipping channels and you see that he's on the mound, you're probably going to stop and watch. This is one of those that like, you know, forgetting the Mets aspect of it for a moment, right? It's a bummer for baseball for me. Well, it is, but it, you know, every time you look up guys and you see 98, you see 97, a hundred miles an hour, uh, <laughs> You, you're just asking for it. I mean, I just think when you go out there and you, as hard as you can, throwing as hard as you can, as long as you can, it's just not going to work. It's it just, you got to learn how to pitch. And I like 99, but I mean, you can't live there. You It's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, hopefully the Tommy John surgery is, is, is standard now. I'm not sure why we just don't sign guys, get the Tommy John, and then start your career. Well, I'm not what a doctor. I don't think it works that way, though. Well, it should. It's so good. Why are you going to pop it out? Or are you just suggesting that all the ligaments are at least a little bit damaged? Well, just the answer. Look how many guys. We should have our own hospital for Tommy John surgeries, Jesse. Probably, yeah. We've yeah. had so many. Yeah. I mean, the Padres and everybody else, I mean, it, it's really a thing all around baseball. And, and obviously, Syndergaard is a huge Huge name. He's also a little bit further along in his career, which I think makes it interesting. A lot of guys, it seems like it happens uh, nowadays, at least when they're in the minors or when they're kind of fresh to the big leagues. He has somehow had his arm hold up. And like you said, with the velocity, I mean, I remember when Syndergaard first kind of burst onto the scene for the Mets, his slider, like his off-speed pitches exactly. were coming in and in the low that, teams. It was unbelievable. That was my point. How yeah. can you throw a slider 85, 86 miles an hour and think that the arm's going to withstand that? That elbow... I, I'm not surprised. I don't think it was the fastball. It's probably that breaking ball that ended up getting him. All right. Uh, a guy who will never need Tommy John surgery, uh, I don't believe, or I certainly hope, is going to join us uh, right now. Uh, Stephen Woods from the Ben and Woods Show. Mornings on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, Woodsy joins us uh, from his abode. Look at you. You got the brown also. Very nice. Look, look at you, guys. How we doing? No, I can assure you that Woodsy will not need surgery. 
Uh, well, if it made me throw harder, I, I think I'd be down. But uh, I'm bringing it about 63, 64 right now, which, hey, for 44. That's How do you know that? Huh? How do you know that? Because I was went to the fair. <laughs> was that off really? flat ground, though, or is that off a map? It was with a crow hop, too. So. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, that. crow hop, 63, 64. Yeah, it's good. It, it, it came up a moment ago. You were, on, you were on Mud Scene for Fantasy Camp. Is that correct? The championship team? Uh, yeah, the uh, the championship winning team. Um, I pulled a calf, which is ridiculous, uh, in the late innings and and was relegated to just DHing. Um, so we, we managed to pull it out behind a gutty, uh, complete game performance by our pitcher, and uh, it was it was great. It was great. I I stunk up the joint on the mound the day before, so I had no shot uh, of getting in there. But it was it's the greatest it's the greatest week you'll ever have. Um, being out there with the guys and really right there uh, you're seeing in the clubhouse sitting in there listening to the stories is the best part it's, it's just nothing like it walking in there having your uniform laid out for you it's unbelievable you felt like a real big leaguer uh tell us uh, about you said you fell apart on the mound the, the day before the championship uh my recollection of the story as you told it to me was that trevor hoffman had something to do with that yeah i had uh, i had gone seven the day before complete game and uh, Mud asked me to get three outs. And I said, yeah, no problem. I can go out and get three outs for you. And then Hoffie was in the third base box. And, you know, it's one of those things you'll tell your kids someday that, yeah, your, your old man got heckled by Trevor Hoffman. But, I mean, he was screaming from the first base uh, side. <laughs> you, you can't throw a strike. You cannot throw a strike. Woodsy, don't choke this one. Don't throw this one. Everything he said I was going to do, I did. And um, I'm sitting there on the mound, and my heart's racing, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking up at the plate and there's a guy, he's 64 years old. And I'm like, you can't get this guy out. Like, you cannot throw a strut. He was so in my dome. So I walked like six guys in a row. I plunked two guys. Mud pulls me out. And uh, I walk back. Trevor grabs me. And he goes, now imagine doing that with 35,000 people. <laughs> I go, I, I, and Mud grabbed me and he goes, if I ever hear you on the radio, Talk about a pitcher that can't throw strikes. I'm going to reach through the radio and I'm going to I'm going to rip your head off. And I said, you know what? I, I should have I should know better anyway. It's really hard, and especially once the brain gets going, you're done. You're done. Randy, let me ask you: At what point in your career was it? High school, college, or later when you learned to like really finally tune out crowd noise, heckling that kind of stuff? Uh, I was in college. I I would tune everything out by then. I just locked it in and, and had that gift of that hour and a half. I didn't need three hours like Woods he'd need, you know, to, to yeah. pitch a game. And, uh, right. you know, I, I just, you know, lock it right in. And it, like I say, the mound was the quietest place in the world for many years for me. Yeah. I just, I, my concentration was that good. But I was, I was the commissioner that day watching Woods and with Trevor in his head. And you talk about a couple of big ears. Woods, he was he was listening to Trevor. Well, not only is he a Hall of Fame closer and Hall of Fame human, he is a Hall of Fame heckler. He's really one of the best I've ever seen at it. Um, and he was so in my dome. I mean, I, I don't think I got an out uh, and blew the save. I got a win, a blown save uh, for my week at fantasy camp. But, I mean, look, it's it's – it's honestly the most fun you can have. Um, I, I encourage everybody to try to get out there and listen to Randy and those guys. Randy telling me about what they used to eat 
when they were in um, spring training was like the greatest thing. I, it was like a soup line. Randy would say they'd give us a styrofoam cup and we'd go wait online and they would ladle a little bit of soup into our cup. And uh, that was it. Maybe you get a couple crackers, maybe a cup of water. And it was back to the grind. And it was, I'm looking at him going, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, every, that was us every day. Yeah. Now you mentioned how they had to walk to spring training uphill both ways in the snow. I, I know the story. Yeah, I know the story. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit different, uh, certainly now for these guys. Uh, let's talk about your radio show a little bit. Uh, I, I'm tempted to ask what kind of manager Mud was, but I, I think I know the answer to that question, as does everybody who's ever watched a Padre game on television before. Uh, but you know, guys are, are doing your thing, you know, in the mornings on 97.3 The Fan. Obviously, with no actual sports taking place right now, it's a little bit of a different show. How are, how are you and Ben and Paul and your whole crew handling it? You know, it's uh, I consider us very fortunate. Ben and I, our very first meeting, you know, I said, look, man, I, I love sports. I love baseball more than anything. I said, but, you know, I also like the other stuff. And I know that the other stuff um, will cut through uh, as well to the audience. They want to know about your personal life. They want to know you know, about your wife and your, and your kids. And uh, I said, I think that stuff's important. And so our, we're coming up on our two year anniversary of our show and it's been such a great ride. And, and I have just the best crew around me and, and, um, but we've been fortunate because it's always been that push and pull with Ben and I, Ben pulling us back to sports, me pushing us away from sports, uh, unless it's baseball season. Of course I could do four hours on baseball every day. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, um, I, I would say nervous is a good word because as long as, as much as this thing drags out, you know, we don't know, but I'm pretty confident in our abilities to be able to go in and do an entertaining show and, and just kind of be a distraction for uh, all of our incredible, incredible listeners. Because, you know, I, I re I need it myself when I get out of the studio, you know, there's a show I put on and listen to, and they were back live yesterday and it felt so good to hear them. And it was uh, a comfort for me. So, um, I think we're going to be just fine, and, and we will lean heavily on folks like yourself, Randy, and folks like yourself, Jesse, and uh, all of those watching and listening. You know, it's going to be your show, too, right now. And so we need everybody to kind of step up and um, entertain San Diego. But I look forward to the challenge as much as I'm going to miss baseball tremendously uh, until, it, until it comes back. Kind of along those lines, family doing okay? Everybody uh, cooped up together? Say again, I, that one cut out. I couldn't hear you. Uh, I said, uh, along those lines, family doing okay with everybody all cooped up? Yeah, family's great. Um, you know, my wife is in the real estate business. So obviously you're not showing a whole heck of a lot of houses and things right now, but she's doing a lot of work from home. Uh, we've got a two-year-old son, Bo, and uh, he's behind me. There he is. Uh, he's going to be walking in any minute, I'm sure. And he is a total handful, but there's a, there's a nice little park down the uh, down the road and we go down there every day and kind of throw the ball around and run around and listen to music and um, I'm, I'm enjoying that time I usually get that time with them uh, every day anyway but it's just something different uh, about it now it, it feels more special being able to spend that time with him uh, all day every day after the show and he's just the greatest man and, and um, we have a great great time with him so Family's doing well. I mean, it's it, like I said, it's not that different for us right now. Uh, other than, you know, we had a, a trip to Disneyland planned for him this week. That's not going to be happening. But, you know, I mean, we're together. We're healthy. We're happy. And I think that's all we can ask for. 
No doubt about that. No doubt, no doubt about that at all. Uh, Steve Woods, uh, Ben and Woods Show mornings on 97.3. The fans still going uh, remotely, kind of like we are right here, and a proud not only survivor but thriver of Padre Fantasy Camp with Randy Jones. Good job, Woodsy. Thank you, guys. I uh, wanted to let everybody know, if you do, and I know you are, um, we're all going to miss opening day on Thursday tremendously. There's a, you know, there's a hole in our heart as we wait for it. But uh, on the fan, look, desperate times cause uh, call for desperate measures. And we're actually going to simulate the game on MLB The Show Thursday uh, at 10 a.m. on Facebook Live, I believe. And uh, you can go in there and comment, watch the game with us. I'm, I need it. I have to have it. And uh, I'm going to go watch that game. And it's going to be the only substitute we have for it right now. Uh, my wife did agree finally to let me buy a PlayStation 4, so I did. I'll be playing Whoa. that uh, a lot as we wait for baseball to come back. And um, you guys are the greatest. Love you guys uh, both. And uh, please let us know if there's anything we can do for you uh, on Ben and & Woods. And uh, we will talk to you guys very soon. Awesome, man. Take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Woody. Woods joining us. Randy, now that he's gone, what's the honest scouting report on his pitching performance at Fantasy Camp? Got no command whatsoever. Never seen a guy walk that many guys. If he didn't walk him, he hit him, you know. And then and then he'd be lights out for three, two or three hitters. I have no idea why. Neither does he. I love him. So he loves funny. the game. I know that. So funny. Yeah. Uh, when it really all I know is, you know, Thursday, Jesse? Yes, Thursday. I'm, I'm having a golf tournament right here in my backyard, my little nine-hole putting green. Yeah, you know, I'm the only guy playing, but what the hell? I'm going to win. So yeah, I was going to say. I might as well yeah. do something. So I'm having hey, don't a lose. Don't lose. I read an article uh, Bryce Miller had in the UT today. Uh, he spoke to Peter Seidler, and Peter said, you know, I think on Thursday what we're going to do is uh, barbecue and, you know, kind of make it feel a little bit like baseball, I guess, throw some hot dogs on the grill. That idea spoke to me. I do have some dogs. In the I, I like his attitude. Yeah, I like that. One ten p.m. on uh, Thursday, maybe throw a hot dog on the grill. Crack open a Budweiser, I don't know, and uh, in, enjoy what, what should have been or what we all wish could be uh, opening day. All right, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming up uh, in just a couple of moments. I had one other silly thing I wanted to ask you right there that popped out of my head, but uh, nobody <laughs> I think we're ready uh, for Fernando. So this uh, – oh, this is what it was. A couple of people are asking about getting uh, Don and Mud on the show because we've been showing the video of them stuffed into their fantasy camp uniforms. Uh, we actually had Don on yesterday. We had Mud on Thursday which was the first show. So you search around Padre Twitter, you can find some highlights of all of that. And uh, they were obviously both hilarious and outstanding. Don ran us through like his entire menu of what he's been cooking since he got back from Peoria. So uh, oh, Lord. I don't want to miss that. But here, here's the other thing, Randy, as, as you know, we're going to be doing a fair number of these shows, I think, considering it's uh, Monday through Thursday uh, every day. So there's going to be plenty of time to talk to everybody, I guess is what I'm saying. So Oh, I'm right. Yo, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Where's Bill Center? Where's the he big was on boy? Yesterday. Thanks for watching. Now, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm busy outside. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the orchard. I know. You got the dogs. We'll talk about the dogs yeah. coming up uh, in a little bit as well. But anyway, uh, earlier today, RJ, uh, I spoke with Fernando. He was nice enough to join us from his place downtown San Diego. Fernando, thanks so much for taking some time to join us. Uh, we appreciate it, and I think I speak for probably uh, everybody who follows the Padres with any kind of closeness that is very good to see your face. And uh, you are in San Diego, are you not? I am in San Diego. I mean, how are you going right now? Yeah, what's our pleasure, our pleasure. What's, what's life like for you right now? 
<laughs> it's kind of weird, bro. And uh, it feels weird for everybody. You know, being out here in a ghost town, kind of, <laughs> there's nobody downtown and just, it's just crazy just seeing nobody and, you know, just nothing going on and just, just assuming, trying to assume everything. It's just trying to push forward. What can you do to sort of keep yourself in some kind of like baseball mode? Obviously, none of us know when the season is actually going to start or anything like that, but just so that you don't, you know, become a couch potato or anything. <laughs> just kind of working out, you know, in the way where possible to, you know, trying to uh, follow every single protocol that has been asked from the, you know, from the, from the guys on top and just, just trying to be able to control, you know, what we can control and just trying to, trying to work out as way as possible as, as we can. What, uh, what's the conversation been like, uh, you know, amongst the players, I'm sure you guys are texting and talking that kind of thing, just in terms of trying to keep each other up. Yeah, you know, for us, it's just trying to, everybody's trying to stay positive. You know, everybody's trying to, to get advantage of the time and uh, get better and then just just trying to work out and, you know, just trying to, for the team to stay in the same level, not to get a step down or step forward. Just trying to see until we get an answer. And then for that, we'll, I think we're going to get a plan and start going from there. Makes a lot of sense. I guess that's all you can do uh, at this particular point. All right, let's uh, jump in the time machine a little bit. Talk about how spring training was going for you. Obviously, really different than last year. Uh, last year, I know you had hoped to be on the Major League roster opening day. You didn't necessarily know whether that was going to happen or not, really, up until one of the very last moments. This year, of course, everybody knew you were going to be uh, the starting shortstop on opening day. How was spring training going for you in 2020? You know, it was going. Uh, I feel it was going great. Uh, probably in the game, as it was a little bit different. But this year, I was trying to just take care of my body in every single way as possible. You know, to trying to play 162 game. I don't think this year we're going to play 162, but <laughs> just trying to, I was taking care of my body. And then I feel like baseball was second, second wise for us. And then just trying, you know, working every single area, spring training, just trying to get ready for a season. You look pretty good in that brown uniform too. How'd you feel about that? <laughs> you know, I like it. I like it. I've been saying that I like it. It's pretty unique. Uh, I feel like everybody, every time we go out there, Everybody's going to know right away who's playing. <laughs> One of the other things uh, we got the opportunity to see from you this week on Instagram was the uh, the MLB, the show, the video game. Uh, you went deep in your first at bat. Is that correct? Indeed. Uh, first at bat with myself. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, I went deep first at bat. It was crazy. I went four for four. <laughs> uh, it was pretty fun, you know, playing with myself. And uh, I got surprised. It put me pretty good in the video game. Yeah, no, you look cool, man. Uh, you know, it's art imitates life. You go four for four in life, you're going to go four for four in the video <laughs> game. I guess that makes a lot of sense. Literally, my first game I played also, I played opening day against the Rockies, and you hit a leadoff homer for me also. So maybe they, you know, they, oh, they take care man. of it. Uh, you also, I thought, you know, in one of the hits you put up the video too of uh, a video game Fernando doing the chop at second base uh, after yeah. the double. Which leads me to a question I got from so many fans this spring, and I never actually got around to asking you: um, was was the chop, you know, was was the chop supposed to come back in 2020? I don't remember seeing it during spring training. <laughs> I don't know. There's been a conversation that me and the boys have been talking. They're being like, "What's new for this year? Are we gonna keep doing the chop?" Um, I kind of don't know. You know, probably when I get a uh, good feedback from the fans and uh, probably see what the boys are thinking and see what we're gonna do this year. Awesome. Well, uh, that's something else for us to look forward to. That's a long list right now. Thanks to look forward to seeing you back on the field and seeing what happens 
after a hit. Awesome, man. Really appreciate uh, you, you taking some time to chat with us. I know the fans are thrilled to see you. And uh, continue to take care of yourself, Fernando. Hope to see you play baseball soon. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. Stay, in it. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Stay home from Fernando Tatis Jr. If you're not going to take my word for it, take his word for it, uh, certainly. Thanks to Fernando. Taking a couple of minutes to chat earlier today. Uh, I imagine a lot of you are sitting there looking at your computer screens or your TVs right now or your phones or your tablets. You're just kind of smiling because you just saw Fernando Tatis Jr. and had the opportunity uh, to hear from him. Uh, very interesting about the chop, by the way. I, I, I can't tell you how many fans I had asked me during spring training, either like around the ballpark at Peoria or on social media, hey, are they going to do the chop again uh, this season? And I, I just never got around to asking him. And uh, so there you go. That's the answer. Maybe, maybe not. It sounds like they're, they're still working on something in the clubhouse. Uh, but that was such a cool thing last year, the way it really took off. Everybody, uh, I think, enjoyed the chop in a, in a very big way. And uh, so maybe it will be back in 2020. Maybe it'll be chop 2.0. Uh, maybe there'll be something new all together. Uh, his rookie season for Tatis Jr., of course, was really one of the most, uh, I think, special years uh, in Padre history. Uh, I look back at it with great fondness, of course. And the neat thing about it, and I'd love to see what you guys think you know, in the comments as well, is if you said, what was your favorite Fernando Tatis Jr. moment from 2019? It would not be a simple thing to pick just one because he did so many crazy, spectacular uh, kind of things, I guess on the base paths as much as anywhere else. But there were a couple of stellar defensive plays, that leaping one where he went back into a shallow left field from shortstop, tagging up twice on pop-ups to second base to score from third, uh, the one against Pittsburgh, getting out of the rundown against Atlanta in that series right after the All-Star game. He just did spectacular thing after spectacular thing after spectacular thing, even, you know, cutting down runners on, on plays at third base, uh, diving attempts, uh, showing off the incredibly strong arm. Randy, there isn't just one thing about this guy that stands out. That's what makes him so exciting. Oh, there you go. It, it, it's just absolutely amazing what, what this man has done. In the first half of last season before he got hurt, I, I thought he was awfully good. He was twice as good as I thought he was going to be, Jesse. I really mean that. I mean, the way he led this ball club, the energy he brought to the clubhouse every day, it was incredible. And I was, I'm still looking forward to seeing that here in 2020. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. All right, so Eric pipes in with the two-homer game at Dodger Stadium. That was pretty good. Here is maybe, and this goes along with what you were just saying. It's a great point from Sublime. They were supercharged when he was out on the field. Like, there was a difference, and it was noticeable and was palatable, and I think there is no denying that there was a different energy to the team when he was in the lineup. No, there's no doubt about it. And you know what? And I think he made Hosmer better. He made Machado better. He made everyone on that in that lineup better by his energy and his aggressiveness. There's just no way that you can ignore that. And I and I think that was really felt when when we lost him, and it didn't happen the second half. I mean that 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 changed the whole dynamics day in and day out of that lineup. How crazy is it to you, by the way, that uh, a 20-year-old kid in his first big league action was able to raise a level of play of all-star guys around him? Well, number one is I think it's absolutely amazing. It doesn't surprise me with his background, with his ability. Uh, he's definitely coachable, and he approaches people the, you know, the right way. He does everything right. His background comes from baseball, from his dad. 
and he taught him well. And I and I'm just I couldn't be prouder than that. But I just but he can back it up. This man, this young man can play. Yeah, he certainly can. I think that's something each and every one of us uh, knows uh, completely. All right, a lot of questions are coming in. That's great. We'll do some Q and A certainly uh, coming up in the next couple of minutes. Um, the other day when we had Grant on, I think it was on Thursday last week, his dog Butter kind of stole the show, and that's fine. Butter is a good boy. Uh, Butter is a good dog. But we had a lot of fun with with Mud and Butter, and it, it kind of got us thinking, Randy, that back in the day on Social Hour. Butter was not the first dog to ever appear on Padres. Right. Because didn't you bring your guy by the studio back in the Western Metal Building some time ago? Yeah, you bet. I had RJ and my Brittany. Uh, he's still here. And I got in Jimmy. I uh, I think right now. See, you're that time of the hour where where mom's cooking dinner. <laughs> and so you you have to believe they're not anywhere near me. Oh, okay. So. So I, I was going to try and encourage I mean, you. I could whistle, but I'd probably blow your ears off and get him in here. But, you know, I, I'll, get him, I'll get him in here before the show's over. How's that? Okay, no, I, I think uh, we appreciate that. All right, <laughs> firing those questions away in there. Uh, we'll get into those. Uh, mentioned social media. Some of the, uh, the, the friends on Padre's Twitter, uh, they put together, uh, you know, something to help raise your spirits, of course. And, Randy, I know how much you love, uh, you know, social media and everything, how it brings people together. Uh, so let's let, let's shout out. I, I'm not going to name them all because uh, it would take too long. I'd leave somebody out, and I'd apologize. But let's have some fun. Hey, guys. Uh, day six in self-quarantine. Uh, and I've got to say that these past few days have me feeling a bit philosophical. Um, you know, this virus has affected the entire world, everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. We're all in this together. Uh, and I saw, I ran into this video of this Italian guy playing the trumpet on his balcony to all the other people who were locked inside their homes. Uh, and he was playing Wonderwall. And there was something so powerful and so pure about that video. Uh, and, it, and it goes like this. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you've gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out. I'm sure you've heard it all before, but you've never really had a doubt. And I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. And all the roads we have to walk are winding. And all the light that leads us there are blinding. There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Cause maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. And after all, you're my wonder wall. You're my wonder wall. Social Hour Famous is now my favorite compliment that you could ever give anybody. I don't know that you want to be Social Hour Famous. So you guys are now Social uh, we, Hour 
That's how bad we need baseball back, Jesse. We need it back. Come on. I tell you what, some of those guys can sing. I can't sing, but I never make fun of people for trying to sing. Uh, that was kind of impressive at times. Not all of it. Yeah, you have enough beer, you can sing. You know, that's all it takes. Find out in about an hour. I'll call you and let you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, that was... Uh, that was quite a thing, certainly. All right, let's find some questions here. They're all just laughing or uh, applauding those guys. So I, I got to scroll to find some questions. But I saw one a couple of minutes ago, RJ, uh, I believe from Jellyman, indeed. Here it is. Uh, he says, hey, you and I have always liked Luis Perdomo. Uh, I'll, I'll adjust his question a little bit for you. What did you see at, at a Louis in spring training this year? Well, you know, the more mature, uh, he, he bullpen, he's really comfortable in the bullpen. And I, and I see that in him going out, getting the three outs or whatever it might be in those situations. Uh, still got probably the best stuff on the staff. I, I keep saying it. You just got to figure it out to be more consistent. And I, I'm very bullish on Perdomo and, and he should be part of the bullpen. I don't see him in the rotation. The consistency just isn't there yet. By the way, though, with the possibility of a shortened season, with the possibility of starting pitchers not being able to, to run their arms all the way up to kind of full strength whenever the season does start, you might see a lot of teams try to get creative in terms of, you know, maybe uh, piggybacking starting pitchers, that kind of stuff, if they allow for larger rosters. Then all of a sudden, a guy like Luis Perdomo, who's got experience in those different roles, perhaps he becomes even more valuable. Well, I think it's a very important part of it because he's, he's more than a one-inning pitcher. Yeah. I mean, he can give you two or three innings easily and be very, very effective. And, and, and I don't want to call him the long guy. I don't know if you could under this scenario. But, I mean, I think overall he could really make a difference in the middle of a ball game. No question about it. All right, this question I think goes back to Tatis. It's from Mike, and he's asking a deep philosophical baseball question of you, Randy. Is it possible to keep playing the way he does, full speed all the time, and stay healthy? I don't see why not, or or where's that level? Where's is there? I don't want to say moderation. That might be the wrong word, but I think overall, Fernando Tatis knows what he needs to do to be the best he can be. I don't want him to change that, and and I think overall, I think this young man will know he's not going to get hurt every year. It's just I don't buy that, and but I think overall, what the difference that he can make in his energy level. Um, I just want him to keep playing the game and then having as much fun as he had when he was healthy. Contemporary of yours and a guy you faced off with uh, a lot over the years was Pete Rose. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about his hustle and the way he played all the time. He, he played an awful lot of baseball games over the course of a very long career. Yes. You know, the 4,500 hits, you don't do that by sitting on the bench. No. But you're out in the, in the lineup. And I and he plays just as hard, I, I think. And he just the electricity this young man brings to the field uh, is is magic. And I'm just I look forward to seeing more and more of it. And let's be patient. And and uh, I, I think we're going to see an awful lot of Fernando Tatis in a Padre uniform. That is certainly the hope of everybody who owns uh, any piece of Padre gear or roots for the team in any way, shape, or form. All right, appropriately pitching question from Amelia here. Who do you guys think would have been the opening day starter had things not been shut down? I'll certainly let you kick off that conversation, Lefty. Well, I'm I'm going to go with Paddock. I I, mean, I really think he was slated to be that, and he didn't disappoint. Uh, the way he was preparing himself, he was ready. 
Denilson Lamet was right behind him. Don't get me wrong. Either one of these young men deserve that. Uh, and, I, and I think that one-two punch, and what I was really excited about, Jesse, is I wanted to see Davies in that third slot. I mean, let these guys come out there and rush it up there 97-98. And then that third start, hey, let's let Davies have a little bit of fun with the lineup. I think that could have been a magical combination with these three guys starting the first three games. I know why you really like Davies, too. He doesn't try and blow you away. No, but he in spring training, even that that one, the first inning, the three-one changeup to get a pop-up, and I just shook my head and laughed. I mean, because it takes a special person, you know, to be on the mound and be able to do that. And and he, he was actually kind of grinning about it. And that's what pitching's all about. He has that much confidence, and I really enjoy watching him on the mound. All right, another one, and and of course. I guess we answer all these questions with the automatic and attached caveat that we don't know what this season is going to look like. We don't know when it's going to start. Things, even without baseball being played, could change a lot, uh, you know, between now and whenever the season does start. So we're we're living a little bit in fantasy land, you know, kind of breaking into questions like this, but they're still fun to kick around. It's still baseball. Uh, who's, who's the starting second baseman? That's what Michael from Facebook wants to know. I mean, that was one of the very legitimate position battles that was going on uh, during spring training, RJ. And I don't know that there was necessarily going to be a, a final answer to that question come opening day. One of the last things that Jace Tingler said, uh, kind of uh, to the media at least, in, in terms of the second base battle was, Hey, just because somebody's starting there, and I'm paraphrasing, on, on opening day doesn't mean uh, that he's going to start every day at second base. Uh, my my sense certainly was that they were going to be mixing it up and, and perhaps at times riding a hot hand. Well, yeah, I agree. I, I think they might have leaned toward Brian Dozier and, and a little bit of the veteran guy at second base to start off with. And I think what, what – you know, what Skip said was is accurate. I'm not going to say that he's going to be there day in and day out. You take the veteran guy, and I, I, I like that. But overall, he's got he's to play well to stay there, and he's going to be pushed. And that's what the game's all about. That's what spring training's all about, is to be pushed and, 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 and test everybody. And that's exactly what they were doing. It's interesting because I feel like so often, you know, we kind of all fall into that trap during spring training of talking about position battles. And I mean, if you just look at the Padres this year, all right, third base, you know what the situation is. And we're excluding potential injuries, of course. Uh, shortstop, you know what the situation is. First base, you pretty much know what the situation is. Left field with Tommy Pham, you know what the situation is. Outside of that, yeah, Trent Grisham went out and grabbed the center field gig in spring training. Will Myers went out and kind of grabbed right field in, in spring training. You, know, you mentioned how second base has had a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But the reality is, if, if one of those guys goes cold, well, I mean, he, he's not just going to be continued to run out there just because he won the job at the start of the season. Exactly. And then that's the way it should be right now. And, and, and you have to do that, especially with, with our club and, and what we're doing. You want to put the best nine guys out there and, you know, and whatever that might be. And, and who, you, you go with the hot hand. And no it's question. nothing about veterans or rookies. It's getting the best lineup out there. That's it. That's the point. You play to win the games, as they say. All right. I think we'll wrap it up with uh, one final question. And thanks again to everybody for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 530. Uh, so keep posted on social media to see uh, information about guests and uh, co-hosts and everything like that. We're trying to mix it up, like we said, uh, with all of our favorite people. And uh, we're, we're having some fun. So one more question uh, before we get out of here. And it comes from our buddy, Ted Mendenhall. 
and he says, is there a player that you think would benefit, possibly take advantage of the season being shortened? So I guess we're all kind of operating under the assumption now that 162 games probably not going to happen. I think in my mind, at least here, goes to pitching, Randy, because if there are fewer starts to be made, you know, perhaps that changes things in terms of the rotation in the bullpen. Well, I would, I would think so. It depends on how much time this they're off. Uh, are we turning this into a five-inning game day in and day out or six-inning game when you shorten the season? That's going to help arms. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. But I, 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 I can't put my thumb on one person that might take advantage of a 100-game season versus 162 games. I'm not sure I can do that right now. Next show, you know, I could, I might come up with something. All right. Well, you, you put your thinking cap on. Uh, we, we spoke to Eno Saris of The Athletic on yesterday's show, and he brought up, hey, if there's a, a shorter season, everybody might just say, hey, let's go for it. And he thought perhaps that means you might see guys like Gore and Patino in the big leagues very, very quickly. Because, all right, if we're only going to play X number of games and, you know, the, the variation is going to be uh, bigger and the volatility is going to be higher – in terms of the standings, let's just run everybody out there, see if we can catch lightning in a bottle and, and, and try and win a flag and get into the postseason. So that could be a very, very interesting bit of uh, thinking that A.J. Preller and his staff, uh, along with ownership, I'm sure, would, would have to make. Again, speaking very hypothetically and uh, kind of in this magical universe where we have some answers to some of the questions. Yeah, and also it'll depend on how that first month goes. Whenever we start the season, I think, Jesse, how that first month goes will dictate – who you might see on that 26-man roster. And if it is a 26-man roster, that's another thing they're saying no, is that, hey, play, you know, get everybody out there as quickly as possible. We might have to give you some extra pitchers to try and get through it. You made a comment, too, about shortened games. I, I was almost going to throw that out there, actually, today on Twitter, but I didn't want to start a fire and have to deal with the replies. But I'll do it here. It's more of a one-way conversation. You know, I, I think you have to at least kick around the idea of seven-inning games. You know, if you're going to come back, if we're going to try and play however many games and however many weeks, maybe you shorten the games a little bit. And that relieves. Uh, I know, I know, I you know who you're talking to, Jesse. Don't I, go there, man. Just go nine. I know. You know, if you want to do a hundred, fine, but not seven inning games. That's that's why I didn't. Tweet come on. Well, hey, man, we're going to wrap it here. Uh, wonderful to talk to you. Enjoy that. Yeah. Day that Marie is making. Well, it's good. It's good to see everybody, and, and hopefully everybody will enjoy the show. But it's it's great to be able to talk a little baseball, you know, while we're in our houses. Let's say, yes, we are in our houses. We are socially distancing each other. Um, awesome to see you, RJ. Thanks to everybody for hanging out. Obviously, thanks to Fernando for taking a couple of minutes to chat, and uh, Steve Woods also. If you missed anything, again, keep your eye on Padres social media. Uh, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, all of it. And uh, we'll be tweeting out different highlights and stuff uh, from the shows. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5.30. Hope everybody stays safe, washes your hands, have a good night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.